The World Health Federation actually said one drink a day for your heart is bad. So just in the process, you know, alcohol will definitely raise your blood pressure and also over time it creates more inflammation. So it's actually more correlated to high blood cholesterol as well. And so those are just the two factors that create heart disease. The heart has to also pump harder when we drink alcohol and there's no like exercise related to it. So it's just straining the heart over and over and over again. So it actually causes heart disease. It doesn't prevent heart disease. You are listening to The Limitless Podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Heron. What if you had no limitations keeping you from your dream life? In 2016, I had a major tug on my heart to write a book about my story. And in the process, I learned that I had been operating with a very faulty belief system for the majority of my life. I've had a huge transformation since then. And my life's passion and mission is to teach you how to live a limitless life. Join me on this journey. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Podcast. This is Deanna Heron, your host, and thank you, thank you for joining us today. This is my favorite day of the week just to spend time with you, the community, and thank you for being a part of this amazing community of incredible leaders who seek to be the best versions of themselves. So as always, I just want to remind you that my mission and passion is to help you find your truth first and foremost, because I believe that a woman who knows their truth will become limitless in her impact. So welcome, welcome to this community. If you want to know more about how to get involved, I want to encourage you just to go to Facebook and request to be added to our Limitless Facebook group. It's an amazing group of like-minded women who really seek to become the best versions of themselves and really to enlarge their impact. And so if that's something that you're interested, love to have you as a part of that community. So today I have a special guest with me, Carolina. She is a woman that I met. We have some commonalities and you will see those commonalities as she shares her story with us. But I have to tell you, just after having just a, you know, a few minutes of conversation, probably 30, 45 minutes total of conversation, she is actually, I think she's just going to really make an amazing impact in this world. In her 35 years, she's accomplished some pretty, pretty cool things. So Carolina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for the beautiful warm welcome. I'm really excited to be here. So if you don't mind sharing with everybody your last name, just so they will know how to reach out to you on Instagram, social media, etc. Absolutely. It's 12 consonants. Makes no sense. It's Carolina Zadkowalska. And you are from... Poland. Yeah. Poland. So amazing. So amazing. So your book came out. When did your book come out? January of this year. January of this year. Okay. And we're going to do some, some deep dive into that book, but I would love for you just to share just a little bit about yourself, how you got where you are and love to hear about your family. And just so that, that those who are listening can kind of get to know you a little bit better. Absolutely. So I'll try to do a cliff notes version, but um, I will just very humbly, but also almost braggardly say that I'm living the life of my dreams. And I think sometimes we don't hear women say that enough because it, it seemed like, you know, we're, we're bragging or we're saying too much, but I literally am. I'm a published author. I'm a successful coach. I lead retreats around the world for women. I travel when I want. I feel like very fulfilled in my heart because I've made my purpose on this planet to one, make an impact in the world and two, have the freedom to be able to do so. 
But this story was not like that always, and I used to find myself incredibly, incredibly stuck in life. Basically, what happened was that I fell into a relationship with alcohol, which is very common. Anyone who goes to a four-year college will probably find themselves in the same boat, and that's kind of where I learned to drink was back then. And what ended up happening is I grew up in my 20s. I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, I was a, a liberal arts major. I even have a master's in English. You know, it's not like these job opportunities were just flying in my lap after I graduated. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So it's kind of like, I'll just take whatever I'll, I can get, you know? And so I started working in my 20s and, you know, the party lifestyle I had in my college years uh, was something that just wasn't very sustainable for, you know, having a career, getting married, buying a house. And so what I ended up doing was pushing drinking to the weekend. And so what I did is Monday through Thursday, I lived this really healthy lifestyle. I got into yoga and mindfulness and I just wanted to grow up and find myself really. But every weekend alcohol, alcohol came in like this toxic ex-boyfriend making me feel on Monday mornings, just like complete crap. And it was seemed really normal though, too, because everyone was TGIF. Everyone couldn't wait for happy hour on Friday. Everyone couldn't wait to go out to the brewery on Saturday. It just seemed like I was doing what everyone around me was doing. And yet I couldn't shake that feeling every Monday morning. I literally heard this voice telling me, Carolina, you're made for more than this. I woke up feeling grumpy, groggy, not feeling well, regretful, ashamed of myself, all these things. And so then I started, you know, doing my healthy routine again throughout the week and starting to feel better. And then it was Friday and it was time to drink again. I lived this pattern for years and years and years and years and years. It was the most maddening cycle I could ever find myself on. And I also felt just so stuck because while I knew alcohol was the culprit and I knew that there was something there that needed to be fixed, I also really didn't identify with the classical alcoholic or AA methodology. And so I was like, well, I guess I have to drink. I guess to be normal in this society is just something I have to do. And I finally, like, this, my mindset was broken with this idea of dry January. It was this opportunity to take a break from alcohol without having to, like, explain it to other people. And I was, like, starving for that by that point, you know? So I decided to commit to dry January. It was hard but amazing at the same time. And I just fell in love with the experience. I fell in love with how good I can feel naturally when I wake up in the morning. I felt so amazing with the deeper sleep I was getting and really waking up not feeling ashamed or regretful was huge. February comes around though and I still don't believe that I can be someone who doesn't drink. It just seemed like that's impossible. And so I drank a few times that February and the contrast was just so incredible. You know, a few drinks would just make me frustrated, uh, feel tired. You know, I woke up feeling super groggy the next day. Just it lowered my mood. When in January, my mood was really euphoric. I was excited by nature walks and the cuddles with my dog. Just the littlest things were bringing me so much joy. And so in February, I decided to take another break from alcohol. And I basically haven't looked back since. And what ended up happening literally in almost the five years since I've ditched alcohol is that I woke up to my deeper purpose. I woke up to the dreams that were on my heart that I had snoozed on so long ago. And I also rediscovered why was I drinking every weekend? Well, honestly, it's because I was so unfulfilled with my week. And so I made the changes that were necessary to find the fulfillment that I was looking for in life and completely changed. So I launched a business, I wrote a book, I quit my day job. I started going after the things that really brought me long-term fulfillment instead of a short-term immediate gratification in a buzz. So that's my story in a nutshell. I love it. 
I love it. So it's been how long since? Almost five years. Almost five years. Well done. So you wrote the book, I'm assuming in 2021 or 2020? Um, So the idea for the book actually came to me in 2018, and I actually just posted a reel about this, but just how long it can take for your dreams to manifest and materialize. So I started working on it in 2018. In 2018. Okay. So I'm going to talk about your book a little bit, and it was very well written. I just have to say, and I'm so impressed with how it's laid out and your method of writing. So obviously I can identify with a lot of this in here. I ditched alcohol six year, over six years ago. And there's some things that I think would be very helpful for all of those who are listening. And the one thing that stuck out to me just starting off is where you really talk about how alcohol is sleep interrupting, brain altering. So just the toxicity, if you could speak to that, of alcohol that I think so many people are not aware because alcohol is used so much to get comfortable in social settings without even realizing the damage that it's actually doing. Yeah. And I have to say, to be uh, fair, is that we've had a blanket over our eyes for decades. Alcohol has even been touted as a health beverage, right? So if anyone doesn't know these things or something like that, do not feel bad. Like I make a career out of this knowing this, but for the most part, the alcohol industry tries to misinform us and tries to make it seem like moderation is good for us. So I'm not even talking about heavy drinking here. You know, everyone kind of can assume that heavy drinking is bad for you. I'm talking about what we call moderation, right? Mm -hmm. So one to two drinks a day has been proven to increase a woman's breast risk breast cancer risk by 30 to 50%, right? So there's so much breast cancer actually that is tied to alcohol and people are completely unaware of that. Uh, Just this year too, this myth that a drink is good for your heart has been completely debunked by all of the medical associations and the World Health Federation actually said one drink a day for your heart is bad. So just in the process, you know, alcohol will definitely raise your blood pressure and also over time it creates more inflammation. So it's actually more correlated to high blood cholesterol as well. So those are just the two factors that create heart disease. The heart has to also pump harder when we drink alcohol and there's no like exercise related to it. So it's just straining the heart over and over and over again. So it actually causes heart disease. It doesn't prevent heart disease. You know, a drink is uh, toxic. It is ethanol that is in our beverages, and the amount that's in an alcoholic beverage is that considered unsafe for human consumption. It is the same stuff we're putting in our in our gas. You know, it is the same stuff that's in rocket fuel, and our body has to work really hard to detox it. Right. So as alcohol enters our system, it has to be detoxed immediately because before any other food that you've eaten or anything like that which means that the food is then stored for later in in the hips, right? Mm -hmm. But the alcohol has to be detoxed and it turns into an even more toxic, you know, particle in our body. And so basically every single night that someone drinks, their body's working overtime to be able to do that. Their body's always working behind. It depletes nutrients in our bodies too. So all those healthy kale shakes we're having, like none of those vitamins are actually getting absorbed the way they need to. And one glass of wine has been proven to reduce our REM sleep cycles from about five to six that we have each night down to just one, two, meaning someone who's drinking on a daily basis or weekly basis is never getting the adequate sleep that their brain needs to feel nourished and to process all the emotions and whatnot from the day. So like when we look at even just what's called moderate drinking, it's an incredibly uphill battle for the body to fight those toxins every single day or week or whatnot. And we lose our sleep, we increase our cancer risk, we increase our heart disease 
dangerous wheat also for the brain. It's really bad for the brain. It is so linked to Alzheimer's and dementia. And honestly, I once was talking to a neuroanatomist, like a Harvard-trained neuroanatomist, and they're like, part of the buzz that you get from alcohol, one part of it is that it affects the dopamine pleasure center, but the other part is literally the killing and the slowing down of brain cells. Literally. Like, that's why you feel, it's like, because it's like killing your brain, you can't really feel and I was like, oh my God, who wants that kind of a buzz? Like, it's kind of like inhaling paint fumes, you know what I mean? It doesn't sound like a really pretty picture. And so as a whole, you know, we've learned so much more about alcohol than we used to that literally scientists and doctors want to put warning labels on the bottles. They're fighting to do so. Obviously, it's going to be an uphill battle to change public opinion. And even a lot of doctors still think the glass of red wine is good for you each day. But they've just proven that a glass a day actually decreases your life span by about 30 minutes every single drink you have and just the quality of life for all these diseases that it creates. So to me, that was shocking because to me, I was like, oh, I can't. I just can't handle alcohol. Everyone else is fine. Everyone else is doing it. So I'm doing something wrong. And I think learning all the facts about how like really, truly toxic alcohol is for the body, it gave me such a relief to be like, I'm not the weird one. I'm the one who's intuitive enough to actually listen to my body and to listen to her and make changes for her. And I really do believe that women who ditch alcohol are the most intuitive and then bravest because it's like you're ditching something that all of society celebrates with and just the wisest people, you know, because it really takes that intuition to know, hey, this isn't serving me and I want better. Yeah. And I think society is becoming more and more aware of not just the dangers of alcohol, but there's also that stigma that's attached to those of us who have ditched it. And, you know, they want to know the whys and the stories, etc. And it's just becoming more commonplace that more and more people are choosing not to drink. I am, am a part of an amazing mastermind of women. And when I went to the mastermind meeting in Arizona, there were 20 of us and you had the option of alcohol or a mocktail. And I know that the majority of the women there made the choice because they could have the alcohol as well, but they made the choice to have the mocktail because they want to live their greatest version of themselves. And you see that like so many of my heroes personally, Tony Robbins does not drink. Renee Brown does not drink. Deepak Chopra does not drink. Gabby Bernstein does not drink, you know, and you go on and on and on. The last two presidents haven't drank, right? Like, how do you become president of the United States if you have this kind of a handicap? So it just goes to show that, like, it's not a default. It's not a weakness. It's actually a secret to success. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yep, I totally agree with that. One of the things that you spoke about in your book that I'm, that I'm so intrigued by, and I would love to talk about that a little bit more, is the anxiety piece of drinking alcohol. Because... You know, I'm seeing in the community around me, in my friends' children or grandchildren or whatever, there's the increase in anxiety in this world right now is at an all-time high. And so I would love for you to talk a little bit more about alcohol and anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously, like I call it the American ritual, but we have this tradition where we are overworked, we are overproductive, we are over busy people, we have zillions spinning plates on every single one of our shoulders that we're trying to balance, right? And so it's so common to have hard days, stressful days, and just be go, 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 go all the time, and to just cannot wait to get home and 6pm, 7pm, pour that glass of wine and everything melts away, right? Like that's what so many people fall into doing. And the interesting thing is obviously in our minds, we've come to this conclusion that alcohol relaxes us. 
Like that is just the, one of the top reasons people are drinking, right? There's the social reasons obviously too, but like at home, number one reason is that it relaxes me. And so it's just such an oxymoron that that scientifically is so far from the truth. You know, alcohol slows your brain down. Like all those crazy thoughts you're having throughout the day, it's, it makes it so, like I said, it's slowly killing your brain cells. You can't think of them. So obviously we think that that is relaxing. But what it really does is because it's a depressant, because it's kind of slowly shutting your body down, our body has a natural mechanism to counterbalance that. And so anytime alcohol is introduced into the body, our body ramps up its own production of cortisol, adrenaline, and something called dynorphin, which is the opposite of endorphins, the way that it's explained to me. It makes us feel really low and depressed. So you're upping your cortisol, adrenaline, and this low depressive neurochemical in your brain every single time you drink, right? And so what happens is this is usually, you can kind of notice it. If you have one drink and you don't drink anything else, in an hour, you're going to feel all that. You're going to feel worse off than you did before you had the first drink. But most people don't stop at the first drink because they want to ward off those feelings of being low. So if you keep having a drink more and more and then you just go to bed, a lot of people feel it in the middle of the night. So if you've ever woken up at 3 or 4 a.m. with a startling racing heart and regret in your pit of the stomach over, you know, the drinks you had, those are literally those stress hormones waking you up at that time. And a lot of people then experience it also the next day and just feel racing anxiety the next day. Just that low, you know, you know, nobody on this planet feels amazing after drinking the next day. I'm just flat out going to say that. And the thing with these stress hormones is depending on your age, alcohol can be metabolized in the body between anywhere from two to five days. It really depends on how old you are. Um, but these stress hormones, they last so much longer. They're in your body for weeks, you know, at least one to two, even maybe three weeks for some people. And so what that meant for me as a weekend drinker is that I never, ever knew as an adult what my natural mental state felt like. I always had this overdrive of anxiety you know, hormones racing mm -hmm. through my body. And so it's so interesting too, is that alcohol also lowers our other neurotransmitters that are supposed to make us happy. So it lowers our receptivity to dopamine because we're getting these artificial boosts. So it's like too much dopamine for the brain. So the receptors that catch the dopamine actually start to retract. And then we get lower levels of serotonin and GABA. So what that tells me is me as a regular drinker, I was really low in my happiness neurotransmitters and I was really high in my stress hormones making me feel apathetic, stressed, or bored most of the time. And I felt good when I drank because I got this little artificial buzz. And so what ends up happening is if you take a break, an extended break from alcohol, your brain rebalances, your body rebalances, everything starts to go back to the normal levels and people feel less anxiety. And like, yes, life is still stressful. I'm not saying that life doesn't go away, but it's like something that used to be a mountain starts turning back into a molehill. You feel more resilient to be able to handle it. And also there's a, sometimes a surge of really positive feelings when those happiness neurochemicals reach back to their normal levels. That's actually why I called my book Euphoric and my community Euphoric is that as much as we think that ditching alcohol is some kind of deprivation sentence, it's actually this huge boom in positive feelings, especially if you're you know working on your mindset and doing these incredible things. And I think it's just so important to share that because like you said, how many people are struggling, mm -hmm. you know, with anxiety today? How many people are just overly stressed and we're all drinking the medicine that's making it a hundred times worse? Absolutely. That's so, so good. So also in your book, you talk about limiting beliefs and how when you ditched alcohol, you were really able to 
You did a lot of journaling, it sounds like, which is one of my my biggest tools in my toolbox is, you know, just writing things out. Writing things out is so incredibly helpful to see where our thoughts are going in the wrong direction. But I would love for you to talk and just share with us how you came about finding your limiting beliefs. And then this audience is very used to talking about limiting beliefs and maybe share what yours are. Absolutely. So one of my biggest limiting beliefs before is the biggest reason why I started drinking. (laughs) I grew up really shy and I'm an introvert. And so, you know, I was kind of removed in high school. I was, you know, the kid on the corner. I wasn't really in the crowd and I definitely didn't show up as the real version of myself. And so as I started drinking in late high school and then in college, it was like, oh, this magical elixir, it turns me into the extrovert I always wanted to be. It made me gregarious. It made me, you know, more brave. Maybe wanted me to introduce myself to more people. And I thought it was like the secret, my little secret to, you know, be the person I wanted to be. And so obviously that's really why this huge core reason why I formed this relationship with alcohol, which is a really typical reason for a lot of women, especially introverted women. And so I use this as a tool. I use it as a tool in college and post-college and my 20s and all these things. And so I basically have this belief that I am not confident. I am this like insecure, shy person, but that alcohol makes me confident, right? So it's like kind of not only a limiting belief about myself, but also this assumption I'm putting on alcohol. And so what was so interesting about that is that I really had to debunk that idea that alcohol made me more confident because guess what? Does it really feel confident when you show up somewhere and you know that you can't talk to people unless you have a drink in your hand? It was like I was outsourcing my confidence to something else. And internally, subconsciously, it was I was saying, hey, you're not good enough, Carolina. Nobody wants to talk to you. You're not interesting. You have nothing good to say. But here, have a drink and everything will be better. You'll be better. And that actually really damaged my confidence over time. Not to say the embarrassing nights, the time I had wine all over my teeth and mouth, the times that, you know, I, I drank more than I want to weren't incredibly heartbreaking for my confidence and my self-esteem. And just the fact that for so many years I tried to moderate you know, that was like my number one goal. Every single time I let myself down, it just showed me that I can't abide by my word, that I can't be trusted, that I can't do and control anything. And so my confidence was at an all time low because of alcohol. And to have this belief that it was making me more confident was hogwash. Mm -hmm. You know, it was Mm -hmm. so untrue. So I ditched alcohol and obviously I have to navigate the social world and learning how to be myself in my own skin without alcohol. And I have to say that I learned to tap into that version of me and become more confident. It was like a muscle that was never worked out before. So I start practicing and practicing and practicing. And I find that the version of me that wants to be, you know, outspoken or more gregarious or the person of me that's leading or a coach, I can tap into her. And I can also tap back into the version of me that needs to read and have some quiet time and not go to so many events. You know, I'm not saying that there's one right or wrong version of me. But it's been truly this incredibly amazing process to not only debunk those limiting beliefs around myself, but then tap into showing and proving myself that everything I really want to be is inside of me. I don't need anything else to extract it. So that's something that was really crucial in changing my beliefs around alcohol because now socially, like I can, it's not like every single experience I have socially is my favorite. I have some favorites versus others, but I can handle it. I can handle Thing, you know what I mean? I don't need mm-hmm. alcohol to to make anything better or more fun or something like that. I'm the fun. I bring the fun. If something's so boring you need to drink at it, you probably don't really enjoy it. You know what I yeah. mean? And so 
you know, that's been a huge, huge limiting belief that had to change. And I will say today, you know, the limiting beliefs that I have, there have been so many I've been working on since I ditched alcohol. And really, ditching alcohol was my awakening to personal development. It was my awakening into, hey, let's up-level these beliefs and the self-worth that was so damaged over time. Not even just with alcohol, just growing up in our society as a woman. You know, I had really, really low self-worth. And so I'll say for sure that my limiting beliefs today are, you know, I'm not capable is a huge one. And like, I grew up kind of book smart, so I, I can do the tests, I can read the books. So I know I'm smart, I know I'm intelligent, but I'm not capable. Like the real world smarts, I saw other successful people doing this, this and that. And I was just like, I can't do that. And it's so interesting because I keep proving to myself that I can, you know, I can launch a successful business, I can write a book, I can do all these things. But every new limit I hit, I'm just like, oh, well, that's not possible. That next thing, I'm not capable of doing that. And I also have a limiting belief of not being likable. So because I grew up shy and introverted, some people take that as coming across as bitchy or just like, you know, removed and not wanting to engage with people. And so like, I have this belief that I'm not likable. And especially as I go around sharing now on the internet, loud and proud, about how much success I have, only to show what's possible when you ditch alcohol, not to just you know, share that just for that sake. I'm also like, oh no, people aren't going to like me. People aren't going to like me. So I definitely still struggle with that limiting belief. Uh, money mindset stuff. Woo, I've been working on that for years. And even though, again, it's like you overcome something and you get higher on the level, there's like a new layer that appears for you as you go grow beyond some of your limiting beliefs. They expose themselves in different ways. So you know, my ability to make money and my ability to have this really successful life is obviously, I think, really also there because I grew up from parents who fled a impoverished post-war communist country and literally were the most frugal people you could ever meet. You know, I grew up from so many hardships. And so to push the level of what even was possible for my parents is like, oh no, we don't go there as a family. This is not, this is not for you. I totally understand that. I totally get it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being so vulnerable with that as well. And you're right. Every next level, every time we level up, we bump up against some limiting belief. And that's the amazing work that you have done at your age, truly, is you have been able to uncover some of those. And the first part of, of rewiring those is just being aware. And you've got that awareness of, of what they are. And then you can make the choice. Am I going to choose to believe this limiting belief or I'm going to stand in the truth of the divine being that I'm created to be? And so that's truly, truly amazing. I would love for you to share with our listeners about the program that you have to go alcohol-free. And I, I love your book. It's Euphoric AF. So I'm assuming there's two meanings to that. <laughs> yes, I love that. Euphoric, alcohol-free, and of course, Euphoric, the other AF that we all know. But I, I love the title. But can you share about your program if someone is sober curious or alcohol? Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, you know, if this is interesting to you, if there's something kind of tugging you to, to move forward, I think it's because your intuition knows how powerful and unstoppable and truly limitless you are. And just like all these other different handicaps, whether it's limiting beliefs or low self-worth or patterns or behaviors that aren't serving us, I think your intuition is starting to show you, hey, is this drinking habit really serving me? Is it really helping me achieve my dreams? Does it really, truly make me happy? Not 20 minutes of a buzz. Does it make me happy over the long term? I think the most intuitive women ask themselves those questions. So welcome to the Intuition Club. 
Um, but my program, Becoming Fork, is a program that is also featured in the book that really helps women change the way they see alcohol and debunk a lot of those assumptions they have around it. Because even though, I would say, we didn't even go into statistics yet, but like 60% of drinkers overdrink, like massively, right? So the idea, again, of like normal drinkers versus problem drinkers, it's really muddled. It's not mm-hmm. like that whatsoever. Most people who regularly drink overdrink, right? So this is a majority person problem. And, you know, when you are wanting to change that relationship with alcohol, even if it's love-hate, even if it's like, ooh, well, I love going out with my girlfriends for happy hour, but I hate feeling crappy on a Saturday morning, we have to recognize that there is love there and that are there reasons that you're drinking. And it must, in some shape or form, you believe it provides you comfort, pleasure, or some kind of benefit. And so we have to mine all those beliefs. We have to mine what you believe alcohol does for you in a positive way. And we need to prove to ourselves that alcohol is not doing that. Because here's the thing. When you change those assumptions around alcohol, it stops being desirable. You know, when so many people are using it to relax and they learn the truth about it not being relaxing and then experience it in their lives, they're like, yeah, Carolina's is right. I am more anxious the next day. It pops the illusion. And we're like no longer desiring alcohol in the same way. And it's just not one reason why we drink. It's usually between 10 to 20. So we pop the illusion for all the reasons. And so at the end of the program, women aren't, it's not about they can't drink or I don't get to drink. It's I feel so lucky I don't have to drink anymore, right? It's just the way I feel about cigarettes and a lot of people who don't smoke do. It's like, I'm lucky I don't smoke cigarettes. Mm -hmm. I don't want that toxicity in my life, right? And along the way, the the book and the program really helps you figure out what truly makes you happy. Because we've been lied to to think that alcohol makes us happy, right? So it's like, okay, but what brings you organic joy? What truly lights you up? And it's this gorgeous self-discovery process to start listening to your emotions, whether they're both positive or negative. The negative ones are really good to help show you what's out of alignment in your life. And to start discovering, you know, what does bring you joy? What lights you up? What are you passionate around? So that by the end of the program, you're starting to discover these deeper passions and now have something so much more fulfilling to build out. I have even a more advanced program that starts from that point and is for women who are already alcohol-free and want to really discover their deeper purpose and then implement it. You know, and so a lot of the women I work with, it's not just about ditching alcohol. Ditching alcohol just creates the space. And the space is there then beautifully harnessed to go after their deeper dreams, to go launch that business, to grow, to, you know, write their books, to start their communities, all these different beautiful things, or to up-level wherever level they are now that they're artificially kind of capping themselves at and get to the next level. And I have to tell you the truth, like, if I just helped women stop drinking, I think I would be bored at the end of the day because I don't care about alcohol. It's not about the alcohol for me. It's unleashing the deeper power of a woman and what she's capable of and taking away this handicap that just so many people have been conditioned to use. It's not anyone's fault that we drink. It was literally a rite of passage for every single one of us when we were teenagers and young adults, right? And then it is literally programmed into every social activity till the day we die. Like it's no one's fault that we drink. It is just the way that we function as a society. But that doesn't mean we don't get to wake up from that and wake up and really hone in on, hey, what do I want? Is this serving me? Can I, this is helping me achieve my goals. And in a really curious way, not in like a, I can't ever drink again type of a way, but just like, let me just experiment with these questions. Let me experiment with the break. Let me see what I feel a month without alcohol versus what I feel like today. That's really the lens that the programs run through. That's awesome. That's amazing. So how can people get in touch with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. The easiest way to find me is at euphoricaf.com. I did find Euphoric AF as alcohol-free, but it does work the other way (laughs) (laughs) if needed be, uh, euphoricaf.com. I'm also on Instagram at euphoric.af. And then obviously my book, I think, is such a just great introduction to this mindset, to this theory, to this ability to ask yourself deeper questions. Through the book, you'll you'll do a lot of journaling, you know, just to, to ask yourself about your relationship with alcohol, if it's helping you get to the next level or not. And I, again, I just think that it all starts with this curiosity, just willingness to lean in. And I have to say too, you know, we were talking off air before, it's our very challenges that shape us and help us discover what we are most passionate mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just on a retreat in Bali, I was leading, and so many other women are coming up with their dreams and like what they really want to do with their life. And so much of it was tied to an experience or life that they used to have that they just want to prevent other people from having that pain and suffering. You know, one woman really wanted to help young women with body image issues. Another woman really wanted to help women with quiet women that have low self-esteem. Another woman really wanted to help other women tap into some of their spiritual gifts that we've been kind of told are crazy, you Mm -hmm. know? So I really do believe that our challenges come to us in order to not only mold us and shape us, but to be able to, whether it's formally or informally, informally is great too, turn around and help the woman behind us. And it gives so much more meaning and purpose to why we go through what we go through. From all the experience a woman goes through, from menopause to losing a, a spouse to, you know, trying to figure out her career to working in a male dominant. I mean, there's so many things that if we just leaned across to each other and started helping each mm-hmm. other, instead of feeling so isolated and alone through each experience we go through, the world would be such a better place. And so I do believe it's women's birthright to be those guides and those leaders in our society and to help other people find their deeper dreams or overcome their challenges. Yes, absolutely. So well said. And, you know, it's a mindset of instead of us believing and thinking, oh, why is this happening to me? We have to change that to, why is this happening to me? Because in the experiences that we have, especially with what we feel like, you know, our dramas and traumas and challenges, those are the very things that are going to draw you closer to your calling and your purpose. So yeah. And yeah. I have to say a reframe real quick. If you're already an entrepreneurial you know, person and you have your own community or just women that you're leading in some way, you know, it's not like our problems go away. We have problems cropping up, you know, new levels, new devils. And I heard this reframe once from another entrepreneur, and she said when she's going through a really tough time, you know, a lot is just hitting her in life, you know, something hard is happening, she gets this aha moment. Oh, someone else in my community is going through the same struggle, and I'm meant to go through it so that I can help them. Mm -hmm. You know, so if like you are an entrepreneur yourself, and you're kind of hitting this wall as well with alcohol, you don't have to see it like you just said, is this, oh, shame and blame, like, why is this happening to me? What a blessing to mm-hmm. be able to go through this and perhaps help another woman in my community who's going through this too. You know, like lend that, you know, if, if you are, for example, a yoga teacher and the wine o'clock is just like not fitting in with that lifestyle, do you know how many other yogis are probably struggling with the same thing? You don't have to change careers and not be into, you know, teaching yoga, but to be able to lend this extra nuance, it's so beautiful. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely beautiful. Yep. And you're right. Everything that is placed in our life is because we are to teach someone else how to walk through that process. Yeah. And, and walk through that process ourselves. So that's what the amazing thing is, is about life, you know, in general. So you are just a blessing. I just want you to know. And I know that there are great future things that are happening for you. So what do you see happening in your future? Absolutely. Well, I really believe I only have this one life to live and I just want to live the most incredible life. Some of my biggest values are impact, purpose, and freedom. And so not only do I want to make a huge impact around the world, do I want to lift other women up, empower them, but I also want to live this life of freedom and beauty. You know, I want to travel whenever I want. I want to share these inspiring messages and just live a lifestyle. So I would say for sure there's another book coming. It's not even been, you know, the first page has not been written, but that one is definitely a seed that's generated. I want to reach more women. I want to grow my community. I host retreats now. This my second retreat is coming up to Puerto Vallarta, and I just came back from Bali. So I want to continue hosting retreats around the world, grow my programs, just reach more women, get on bigger stages, you know, just the sky's the limit for the dreams. I think it's a beautiful thing to be a dreamer, you know? I think we get so cynical and so jaded and just so thrown into these realities and we get so stuck into what is possible or impossible mm -hmm. and it's just a story it really just is a story you know and it's a story that we might tell ourselves just to prevent future heartbreak like oh that's not for me so we don't even try and I'm just going to be that impossible dreamer you know I'm just going to be the impossible dreamer I can't wait to share a stage with Tony Robbins there I said it there you go <laughs> The impossible dreamer. I love it. I love it. Well, such an honor to spend this time with you. And thank you for just sharing your genius and your wisdom and your heart. So you guys, thank you for joining us and go follow, go follow Carolina and see what she has going on. Grab her book, especially if you're sober curious. I think it would be something that would benefit you greatly. So thank you for joining us again. And I look forward to talking to all of you next week. God bless. I'm honored to have you as part of the Limitless community. If this podcast has added value to you, I'm going to ask you to do two things for me. Number one, share it with your family and friends. And number two, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Deanna Heron. I always love hearing from you. If you would love more about what's happening in the Deanna Heron world, you can go to DeannaHeron.net, subscribe to my email list, or even be a part of my private Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.